Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually with podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff. You can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com or the Access More app. No, mommy, that priest is wrong. We prayed the Lord our soul to take. We did make it. We're here with Jesus. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. God was sending me so much love and so much peace. There was no room for pain. The people in the room were watching and waiting for my world to turn upside down. But instead, they witnessed my world still in alignment with the one we call our Heavenly Father our Prince of Peace, our Comforter, and our Provider, the Almighty God. Fitness and wellness expert, naturopath, and adventure enthusiast, Wendy Pett. And my husband, Todd Isburner. He's a fundraising guru, men's mentor, and Bible scholar. And as a couple, we're going to share riveting breakthrough stories from our guests who've experienced the meaning of a changed life. Our hope is that you will be inspired, equipped, and entertained along your own life journey. So lean in, listen well. This could be your biggest breakthrough. Uh, welcome to another edition of Your Biggest Breakthrough. I'm Todd Isburner. And I'm Wendy Pett. And you know, lately, it seems like I have really been running into so many people that are experiencing something painful mm. in their life, like yeah. deeply painful. Yeah, understandable, especially, you know, in this past year, uh, you know, of COVID and all. And there's certainly been a lot of loss. I mean, yeah. think about it. There's loss of loved ones, loss of jobs, there's mm. loss of education for many people. And certainly loss of the freedoms to come and go as we please. And all of that has just led to a lot of pain and grief. Yeah, grief is grief. Uh, And sometimes we hear just cliches to get out of those grief Mm -hmm. moments like, you know, well, God's got a reason. Or just look to God and he's going to work it all out. And while that might be true... How do you make it real for you? Mm. Well, this is what we love about our guest today, Angela Alexander, because she has witnessed miracles in action, Mm -hmm. and she's seen God turn pain into power and grief into peace, and can't wait to hear how that happened. Yeah, she's had deeply painful times, deeply painful times, and uh, you're going to hear how she responded during those times and how it backs up her message of hope and healing. So welcome, Angela Alexander, to your biggest breakthrough. Good morning. I'm so excited to be here. We're excited to have you. Thank you for taking the time. Oh my I wish goodness. we could get the camera just like to zoom in because she's she got adorable? this smile that is just like infectious, <laughs> oh, contagious. There, you there. <laughs> there we go. Perfect. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yes, it is an infectious smile for sure. Um, Angela not only has an infectious smile, but um, did you know that she was is a woman of service, like with the armed service? You know, I actually did know that did because you know I that? watched the documentary. Okay, yes. Good. And so, Angela, what branch of the service were you in? Air Force. I'm retired from the Air Force. Wow. Well, wow. thank you for your service and uh, awesome. You had how many years? 20. 20, 20 years. I feel like I we ought to that. salute you or something. Yeah, right. I mean, man. Yeah. You know what? I love that because 20 yeah. years ago, I'm just, this is kind of a side note. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder how many women were in the armed forces compared to like now today, probably yeah. more. And what led you 
to going into the armed forces. That's one of the things we're going to ask you. But before we even go there, because I'm getting ahead of myself, because this is this is all about turning uh, this podcast is about turning grief into peace. And so you are uh, an example of that. And before we get into your story and everything else, let's give the listeners just like a quick nugget, like takeaway right out of the out of the gate mm-hmm. of what is one way that you can turn that grief into peace? One way you can turn that grief into peace is to focus on the miracles. Search for the miracles. If we say God is good all the time and, God, and all the time God is good, well, I truly believe that even on my darkest day, you know, that's a statement, not a question. So search for your miracles even on your darkest day. Bam, right out yeah, of the gate. Now search that's good. for the miracle. You I bet you it. a lot of people would not think about that. But the reality is that God has worked miracles, is working miracles, and I love that you say, let's search them out, because that will right. help, help begin to relieve the process and begin to introduce what real grief is all about, which is what we're anxious to hear about. Yeah, and to, and to even start to see what those miracles are. Yeah. I think sometimes the miracles are so just taken for granted. It's mm. like, oh, wait, that is a miracle in my life. And mm. so let's have gratitude, yeah. uh, even in the grief. So, Angela, you are in California. Right. Yes, I am. Yes, yes. Sunny California. And um, you have just been on this journey. And I know that you have been blessing so many people with your story. And and, and God knew he could trust mm-hmm. you with this incredible story because he would get the glory. And yes, that rhymes and all, but it's so true. It's not just a cliche. Nah. Um, but let's start back with your original um, best, biggest breakthrough, and that would be your faith breakthrough. Could you share us a little, a little story about that? Man, my faith, my back to Jesus moment. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah. That's what I Come call it. Jesus moment. Nah, that's perfect. <laughs> you know, I grew up in church, but you know how you kind of stray away in your 20s. And um, when I was 24, my husband and I, we were stationed in Germany. He was in the Army, and I was in the Air Force. And he woke up, woke up one morning and couldn't talk. At the age of 24 years old, he suffered a severe brain aneurysm. Mm. Wow. Can you imagine that? No. Immediately, he could not read, could no longer talk, couldn't walk, didn't even know his alphabets. Wow. No more. Wow. And it was December 3rd, and the doctor told me um, that I would probably be a widow by Christmas. Mm. They evacuated us from Germany, sent us to Watery Hospital. He had an 18-hour brain surgery. And, and I prayed to God. I said, God. And they said, they told me that if he wakes up, then he could probably be, um, have amnesia, paralyzed, or maybe have a total different personality. But one thing we know for sure is he would never be the man you married last year. So this was the second year of our marriage. He spent eight months in the hospital. Mm. And my back to Jesus moment was, I said, God, if you save my husband, allow him to wake up. I will praise your name forever. Mm. Well, he took that uh, seriously, didn't he? He's like, all right, Angela. (laughs) Before before you pray that, Angela, and you got that news from the doctor, what what were your first thoughts? What was your reaction to what the doctor was telling you? Because the doctor was telling you, it ain't going to happen. It doesn't look like your husband's going to make it. What were you thinking? You know, I went, to, I, I went to my husband, and even though he couldn't talk, he held my hand, and I just like, are you here with me? Oh. And, and, and when he squeezed my hands, and, you know, he told me, I'm here with you. I will fight. And, and I said, okay. As long as we had that connection, I didn't care what the doctor said. I mm. prayed about it, and, and he was fighting, I was fighting, and we was going to let that will be done. But, you know. He told me he was here. He was going to fight to to stay here. Yeah. That's beautiful. You were talking to each other 
through the windows of the soul. Yeah. Through yeah. Your eyes, yeah. Through that, that touch. Um, but God already dropped it into your spirit that he was going to, uh, take this to a whole nother level uh, yes. of glory. And so I, I love that, uh, your husband is, is doing well. And how many years have you been married? 36 years. Oh girl, that's awesome. Congratulations. 36 years. 36. <laughs> so how, how did you know that was your back to Jesus moment when you called out to God? What, what happened? What were you, what were you hearing or seeing or feeling from the Lord? Because I had straight away, you know, sometimes when you're growing up, you know, you miss Sunday school, then you miss church and you party too late and you miss going to church the next day. And, you know, pretty soon, you know, you haven't been to church in months. And it's just something that gradually happens. This is not something that you intend, you know, like I'm not, you know, I always was a believer, but, you know, you just kind of just gradually. And then when that thing hits you and all of a sudden you need God right here, you know, I had a back to Jesus moment. Yeah, I came back real quick and I prayed. <laughs> that's so good. And you know what? That's a good word about it. It just not happening overnight. You just kind of drifted away day yeah. by day. And I think yeah. that that's what happens so often with people and in, in their faith. They may have been, you know, strong believers, but then they just stopped doing the thing, whether it was reading God's word or going right? to church or being in fellowship with other believers. It just was one small thing after another that led them into a, a more distant relationship with mm-hmm. the Heavenly Father. So... So what was the recovery period like for you and your husband? Because I imagine that just didn't happen overnight. You couldn't just snap your fingers and everything's back to normal. Eight months in the hospital. It, yeah, Man, that alone. And, wow. and I was under the false impression that once he got through with the surgery, the 18-hour surgery, he would be able to talk again. Mm. Boy, I was mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It, so, it, it took months uh, to go through um, speech therapy, occupational therapy, physical therapy, you know, learning his alphabets and the walk all over again, it took a long time. Now, wow. that must have been difficult. Had you been a patient person before then, or did that all develop during that time? <laughs> it developed, I'm telling you, it developed. But, you know, still today, he's still today he'll say, you know, this is my husband, Angela. So... <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Now, you didn't have children at that time, right? No, praise the Lord. We did not have children. Right. So, um, I mean, this is kind of a a weird thought, but it was kind of preparing you for Mm. um, raising up a child in a way. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Exactly. Um, so yeah, so your, your patience and, and you seeing the miracle within this tough, um, moment and knowing that, wow, I, I said this thing to God, like, I will praise Mm. your name if you heal my husband. So Mm. now game on. So right. what, did that, what did that start to look like as you were working with your husband through speech therapy and just getting him healed uh, and healthy and well? How, how did you shift to start to be on that, just that trajectory of, of God's will for your life? Just praising his name forever. I mean, when I would see the ice cream in the pantry, I praise God's name. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. When the, when the, when you, the mail Jesus was in the refrigerator. <laughs> okay, that is... All right, that's a good word. So you you give God praise for everything. Right? <laughs> he would try to help, but he was no help. Uh, that's hilarious. But, no, but but seriously though, it is very very difficult to it's give God difficult. praise and thanks in the midst of painful times. So yeah. was yeah. that just something that that the military disciplines helped you do? Mm. Because obviously you had to make a choice even when you didn't feel that way. 
And exactly. And also what, what was a miracle was uh, my, my husband had a sister who lived in Washington, D.C., not far from Watery Hospital. And she was a speech pathologist. Mm. Oh, wow. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And she taught us very early on. She said, Angela, you can either cry or you can laugh. Mm. The choice is yours. And 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 so we learned very early on, you know, and I gave a lot of grace to my husband because I knew the things he said and the things that he was doing was from a medical. It was not something that he was doing on purpose. And so once you know, once you know the reason behind why somebody's doing something and you can understand, you can allow grace. Mm -hmm. And so I'll say, okay, you know, we just go buy some more ice cream. It doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you know, so 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 we learned very early on to laugh at, you know to laugh at it and just, just let it go. Yeah. yeah. yeah and yeah. you may have laughed uh, sometimes so much that you may have even cried. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yes. Trust <laughs> me. Uh, crying within the laughter. But that's a yeah. great word though. Mm-hmm. I'm serious. That's really kind of boiling it down to its simplest form. You, you got a choice. You can cry yeah, or you can, yeah. or you can laugh and you get to choose where you're going to be and how that's going to work out. So, so that was sort of a, a forerunner for you mm-hmm. uh, because there were lots of things still down the road that you were unaware of. I'm guessing at this stage in your life, you pretty much figured like you probably faced the biggest, most painful, difficult, challenging time of your life. At the age of 24, I thought yeah. I had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But not true. Not you true. had other things ahead of you. Mm-hmm. All right, take us there. What uh, what What happened next in your lives together? And where did God take you over the years? Well, what happened next was my sister was killed. And um, that was very traumatic and traumatized me. And because of that situation, um, my sister and I, we had a balloon and flower business in Tacoma, Washington. Mm. And we spent all our time together. And and after she, after she passed away, um, I was so traumatized that I moved from Washington State to California. But what what really what what really was helpful to me was a year after she passed away, I received a letter that she had written addressed to Dear God, and it was inside her wallet. And her wallet was held in evidence for a year, and so I didn't get it until her until her case was over with. And I opened it up, and it was folded. Real tiny, like you might put your last $5 bill hiding it down different layers of your wallet. And me just being nosy, I was going through her stuff. (laughs) And I went down to her wallet and I saw this letter and it said, Dear God, hello, it's me, Alice. I need you and I cannot handle my affairs without you. And once I read that first sentence, the heaviness that was on my shoulders just lifted away Mm -hmm. because... I just imagine that this was a conversation between Alice and God. Mm. And this is, and like a week later, she was with him. Mm-hmm. So that gave me so much peace. Yeah. You know, it, it really did. And I just, that, that letter meant more to me than any amount of money that anybody could have willed me. Mm. Because and God knew peace, that. Yeah, because peace is priceless. Yeah, that's mm. good. Yeah. I love the fact that you and your sister were so close, and and you, yeah. you guys had you had a balloon store together. Yes, <laughs> you sold that's balloons. That's a happy. That's a. Ha- <laughs> did, you, did you have ice cream in the back too? I mean, <laughs> balloons and ice cream go together, don't they? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. So there, there was this uh, this moment in your life reading that little note 
that reassured you that she was in a place of peace, that she'd had a good relationship with the Lord, and that kind of freed you then to accept that situation? Yes, and also what happened was my sister, my my older sister gave me a song, a a song by Patti LaBelle called Love Never Dies. Mm -hmm. And after my sister Alice had passed, when I couldn't even hardly read the Bible because my eyes were so watery and I didn't want anybody to say anything to me. I would play that song over in, you know, back when we had the cassette tapes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I put it on the loop. track, cassette right. tape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you go way back with me. Yeah. I know. Yeah, right. That's my age. <laughs> I would just put that song on a loop and just play it over and over and over and over again. And it just penetrated my soul that love never dies. Her laughter will remain. Mm-hmm. And, and tell you that, that song, although it's not, um, it's not a, you know, religious song. It ministered to me. Mm-hmm. Sure. It doesn't have to be a religious song to minister it, to you. Right? Exactly. And that's yeah. what it did. And it shows the, uh, the wonderful, loving heart of God to reach us where we know uh, we need to be reached, where he knows we need to be reached, right? Mm-hmm. And he just has just different surprises for us. And, but he's so faithful in bringing oh. us through. Like he gave you that note, he gave you that song, and it was his way of, I guess, wrapping his arms around you, giving you that, that peace and that assurance that he was, he was in your life and he was in charge of things. Yes. And I played that song all day, every day. Everybody in my family knew everywhere. I mean, even the car <laughs> in the house, everybody knew every word to that song because they was like, love, no, I, please don't let me, I cannot sing. Oh, come say, on, you, let's sing Come it. on, let's come start on. singing. <laughs> No, but you know what, Angela, and just like you said, yeah. Todd, it God knows how we need to hear from Him, and it's all going to be different for every person. So, no matter what kind of um, grief that you may be experiencing, God will speak to you in a way that you'll receive His words, right? So, even through that letter, uh, in that moment from your sister, it's like, oh my goodness, yes, thank you, Lord. I know, I know, mm-hmm. she's with you, and it's all good. <laughs> um, but, but we're all different in how we receive that His voice and and. That kind of thing. So, but it sounds like Angela had at least because of your faith, you had an expectation that God was going to be in it. Oh yes, yes. And, yeah. and I think that's sometimes the missing link for people who go through tough times is they kind of forget that God is really for them, and so the expectation level sort of drops down, and they don't realize that they can have the expectation that God will come through. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. And he and he wants to gift and give to his children. He yeah. wants to. He he desires yeah. uh, our heart our heart's desire, right? Exactly. Um, he wants to give us uh, what we what we desire. So anyway, um, so okay, so we've gone through uh, your husband and and that traumatic experience and and the grief of all of that over onto your sister and that grief moment, mm. and then um, you are. are st- are you stationed? I'm I'm fast forwarding, but are you stationed in Japan? Is that correct? So after after my sister passed, we moved to we moved to California, and and as as my husband was regaining his independence and his speech, and when he was about ninety percent back to pre aneurysm, where he could drive and everything, I went back into the Air Force Reserve, and as a reservist, we work one week in a month and two weeks out of the out of the year. So wow, okay. But once, but once we came, once we moved here to California, we were so grateful that Siri not only survived his brain aneurysm, but his quality of life. Mm-hmm. That we wanted to get back in a tangible, tangible way because I seen it on his ward that he was staying. Um, we seen a lot of post aneurysm surgeries, and they weren't doing very well at all. Mm-hmm. And so Siri was doing extremely well. And so um, 
in, let me see, in, I think in 1998, we moved here to California and we decided to become a foster family. So by this time we had two children. We had Angela, a daughter named Angela, and we had a son named Maurice. Ah, now what, what led you, you had two of your own children, but what led you then to want to become foster parents? That's like a a lot of added responsibility. It really is. We, we, we had a family meeting and we just wanted to give back. We were so grateful that Seven survived the aneurysm that we just wanted to say, okay, God, I mean, we said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But what can we actually do, you know, with our hands? What can we do for you, Lord? That and is a word it, right there, Angela, mm-hmm. for those that might be listening and maybe even to us that yeah. are um, doing this podcast. But what can we do and what's greater and bigger mm-hmm. as we're in the midst of of giving gratitude, but how can we take action? And, and to be a foster parent, I mean... That's a huge cool. commitment. It really awesome. is. It really is. Yeah. And so we decided to become a foster family and we had a family meeting and our son Marie said he wanted a little brother. We was like, okay, cool. <laughs> we went to all the background checks, fingerprints, FBI, CPR classes. I said, we even, I think we even signed a couple of IOUs and we became a foster family. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's we really cool. so And then I saw his brother. Well, our social worker called us and said, I know you request a little boy, but we have a little girl named Angelina who needs a home in your neighborhood. Oh my I, I was like, cool. So we have an Angela, you, and then your daughter, Angela, and then an Angelina. Now that Hello. has been a little confusing. It was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. Hopefully you had nicknames for one another. <laughs> Any, many, mighty, more, right? <laughs> wow. And right, so, um, and so, so. Maurice was like, she's okay, but she's a girl. Where's my brother? And he yeah. was he was relentless asking about his brother. And we were content with three children. We were like, we're fine. Mm-hmm. And the social worker was like, you know, you know, if you got a bed, I got a brother. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So she was relentless. And she was like, you know, she's the follower on the house. I, you know, I got a little boy for you. I got a little boy for you. I mean, because the need is so necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you you had another family meeting. We had a social worker came over and said, Roger, and our hearts just melted. Our hearts just melted, and we couldn't wait to meet Roger. And how old was Roger? Roger Roger was seven. He was a year, uh, I think he was six at the time, and Maurice was seven at the time. Mm. Okay. They they were both seven years old. They're both, the ages are close, Mm -hmm. but they were in um, different grades. Okay. And I know you, you said just a kind of a side note, um, you said that the need is great for, for children being adopted or coming into a foster. Do you know any stats on that by chance? Mm. I don't know the stats. Okay. But, but you know, um, there's so much right here in the United States. Yes. I think we overlook that too. Don't we? I think we feel like, well, we got all these government programs and all these great things happening. Surely the need isn't too great. But based on what you experienced then and what you know now, there is a great need. And people just, I guess, number one, need to be aware of it. And then number two, search their Step hearts. Is, is God putting something on your heart? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what we did. So you got this full family cruising along. Yes. Get so we, we, went from two children, <laughs> we went from two children to four children Man. within like two or three months. It was crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. You're going to be you- buying more ice cream. With four four kids. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So cool. So um, you guys uh, are, you know, happy family. Happy um, family. Enjoying life and uh, doing life together. And and you uh, were stationed over for a little while in Japan. 
And then I get orders to Japan where I just go for two weeks. Mm-hmm. I'm just scheduled to be there for two weeks. And when I got to Japan, the third day I was there, Lieutenant Mavechi came up to me and says, Alexander, I need to speak with you. And this was April Fool's weekend. And so, you know, it's jokes everywhere. And I thought it was another joke. And we just started walking and talking and got to the door of the small office. And there was a man inside who was introduced to me as a priest. Mm. And there was another lady from my unit. And the priest was physically shaking, holding his paperwork from the Red Cross. And he says, Angela, your family has been in a car accident. Mm. And from the looks on their faces, I knew this was no April Fool's joke. Wow. The day before, my husband and four children was driving down the highway here in California, and a car cut them off. A truck hit the center divider, and upon impact, they were all knocked unconscious. And then our truck went backwards across that highway and fell 25 feet below mm-hmm. and landed upside down on top of two other park vehicles with people. Inside those cars. Oh my word. Praise God, our car fell on their engine and not the roof. So those people were extremely shaken up, but they were okay. And then the police officer ran up to my daughter, Angela, who was in and out of consciousness. And she's like, Where's your mother? Where's your mother? Well, Angela said, My mom's in Japan. Mm. <laughs> well, the officer just thought she hit her head way too hard. <laughs> And was delirious, did not believe a single word she said. And so they retrieved my address for my husband's driver's license because um, immediately he couldn't talk again. Mm. When when our car fell, he hit his head, concussions. And they was ready to take him straight to jail because his voice was all slurred. Mm. And they assumed he was on drugs and or alcohol. Oh my goodness! Wow. wow. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and then and said, "No, no, no, no." My father he had a brain aneurysm, but they didn't believe a single word she said. <laughs> After she lost her credibility, when she said I was in Japan, right? Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so. All right. So, and who else was in the car? So, 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 so I'm back in Japan. And the priest says, your husband, Suri, he's okay, but he's in the hospital. Your daughter, Angela, she's okay, but she's in the hospital. Your daughter, Angelina, she's okay, but she's in the hospital. But your two eight-year-old sons, Maurice and Roger, they didn't make it. They didn't make it. And Wendy instantly, as if no one else was in that room, but God and me, I recalled a prayer my children said before going to bed. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And I don't know, maybe because I need to hear from my son so badly, I felt right here in my heart, as if I heard them say, no, mommy, that priest is wrong. We prayed the Lord our soul to take. We did make it. Oh. We're here with Jesus. Oh. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you. God was sending me so much love and so much peace. There was no room for pain. The people in the room were watching and waiting for my world to turn upside down. 
but instead they witness my world still in alignment with the one we call our Heavenly Father, our Prince of Peace, our Comforter and our Provider, the Almighty God. Amazing, Angela. That, that is, uh, for them to witness that kind of peace is the peace the Bible talks about that goes beyond our comprehension. Yeah. Your understanding, comprehension, everything. Yeah. Even, even to be, hear you now, Angela. Even beyond my own words. Because if you had asked me the day before, girl, what would, and we always get this question, what would you do if something happened to your, your child, your children? I remember saying, you know, hook, lock me up, hook up the IV, go live your life because I'm through. Mm-hmm. And when and and even on that plane, the next day I was on the plane coming back from Japan to Los Angeles, I kept pinching myself because I couldn't believe how at ease I was, wow. and I couldn't believe the peace. And I I was I was reciting my social security number because I was trying to get myself a, a checkup from the neck up. <laughs> <laughs> right, like I'm like here, yes. Yeah, I'm like I, I was questioning myself. I was like, what's wrong with me? Why am I not crazy? Why do mm-hmm. I still know my? You know, why do I still know the alphabet? And it was, and it's only because God interceded on my behalf. This is supernatural peace. And just like I said, even hearing your story right now, I mean, tears were in my eyes. I just, I can't uh, even imagine. And to my, see you and, but to see you with a smile on your face, uh, Angela, and to be excited uh, somewhat uh, like excited that they're in heaven. Like oh. you, you see it from a heavenly perspective than, uh, than uh, how we typically mm-hmm. would view death and, and the grief around it. So um, it's really commendable. And I believe that uh, it, it, that alone ministers to people. Well, you know, when God told me to share this testimony and I, and I'm telling you what, that was a whole argument for like six months. <laughs> but when I finally surrendered, I was like, God, you know, I don't want people to know my son's past just because I walked into the room. I want them to, I want them to see your grace on my face. Mm. The only way that I don't want to wear that cloth of death. You know, back in the day, they had to wear black, a sack, you know, for like 30 days or 30 months or whatever. <laughs> the rest of their life. And I didn't want to wear that, that that cloth of death. I said, I want them to see God's grace on my face. And I'll have to learn how to tell this testimony mm. through God's eyes mm. and not through my eyes. Yeah, mm. there you go. So, um, Angela, is there such a thing as um, gracefully grieving? Oh, yes. How do you oh, do yeah. that? Because, like, you know, because, I mean, we're hearing really a supernatural occurrence in your life and also a decision that you had to make to believe that God was in it so that you could acquire his peace, you could believe his best, and you could trust in him for all the rest. But there are some people who, mm-hmm. they, like you were saying, I mean, they grieve a really, really long time. So how do we gracefully grieve in a process that, that, that God would want us to go through? Well, you know, we say we have a friend in Jesus and he said he would never leave us or forsake us and he will hold our hand. And and a lot of people stay in that grief because some, some people think that the healing of your broken heart is an indication that you no longer miss or love your loved one. Mm. And so they want to stay in that, you know, to prove I'm going to prove how much I love my, you know, by, by you know, and, and, and not want to accept, you know, but your loved ones wouldn't want you to be here miserable and pitiful. So good, Angela. You know, so I think, you know, they, they're, my sons are joyfully jamming with Jesus. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, it's, it's, uh, it. so much of that is perspective, yes. isn't it? I mean, how, really how you is. see things it will cause how you believe things. Well, I say you can search for your miracles or you can search for your misery. 
the choice is yours, but, a, but whatever you want, wants you. Yes. I mean, this could be a doom and gloom testimony and everybody would totally understand that. Right. But life is about choices. Yeah. So, so good. Like it's so refreshing, Angela, because uh, it, it's it's almost just the opposite of what you see most people do in mm-hmm. times of grief. And so I think it's an opportunity for, because we all have losses in our life and we will have losses in our life, uh, you know, losing loved ones and that kind of thing. So choosing how we grieve really is, um, an opportunity to, to give God glory and to, to leave a a legacy of, of joy for that person that Mm. lived. And, uh, anyway, I just love how you're, you're doing that, Angela. And, and I know that, uh, you have written a book on, on your life called miracles in action. Action. Yes. And that's when we first met, you had just written that book, I believe. Right, right. How many years ago is that now? Yeah, and so how that came about was when I was on that plane ride coming back from Japan, I almost sat straight up in my seat as I recalled this letter Maurice had written about a month before the car crash. Now, Maurice was eight years old in the third grade. He had a math test at school. He finished early and received his A. Now, he had to be quiet while his classmates completed their test. And in that quiet time, he wrote this letter. Wow. He ran in the house from school that afternoon. Mommy, 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 daddy, dad, I wrote your letter. I wrote your letter. I said, what do you mean you wrote us a letter? Where are you going, little boy? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> he said, Lord, mommy, I just love you. Oh. And the three of us, my husband, Maurice, and I, we sat at the foot of our bed and we read his letter aloud. Hmm. And I'm telling you, he wrote two, at that point, he wrote two pages, not only expressing that he loved us, but explaining why he loved us. Mm. And at the end of both pages, he wrote the rest, bye-bye. Mm. And at that time, my husband, he's so emotional since his brain aneurysm. He had these huge tears coming down. So he got up to get a tissue. And then I was standing there holding Maurice's hand. Well, I can see it right now. I was holding his hand. I said, Maurice, do you know what this is? And he looked at me with his big, brown, beautiful eyes. And he said, it's a letter, mama. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that would be an eight-year-old's understanding. Yeah, right, well, right. What's your problem? This is a letter. Oh, <laughs> it's like a love letter. It's so sweet. I said, Maurice, this is a love letter. He was like, oh, my oh. first love letter? I said, I hope so. You're only eight years old. <laughs> that is so good. And this was just, a, was this just a couple of weeks before he uh, passed? Exactly. Just a couple of weeks, like less than a month before, uh, mm. about a month before he passed. And then I said, Maurice, thank you so much for writing down your feelings. We love you too. And I love your letter so much. I'm going to buy two frames because his letter was two, pre- two pages. I'm going to buy two frames. I'm going to frame your letter. Oh. And he said, wait a minute, mommy, wait a minute, buy three frames because I'm going to write you another one. So Maurice, the Holy Spirit must have said, oh, your mama going to need some more help. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maurice, being obedient, ran to his room, came back about 10 minutes later with the second letter addressed to me. Mm. I'm telling you, that letter. Had you that hello. (laughs) Yes, yes. You know, and and it was one sentence in his second letter that eliminated all of the guilt I could have embraced for not being there. Mm. And that was, he said, if I got to choose a mom, I would choose you. Mm. And I was like, wow. You know, because the Holy Spirit knows everybody from the beginning to the end of time. And all of my thoughts, he still would have chosen me to be Maurice's mother. Mm-hmm. And let, let me know that all is in God's divine order. 
That is so beautiful. And yeah. for an eight-year-old to, to yeah. be writing letters, you oh. know, and uh, God does know. And, and he speaks to you uh, directly through letters, through the letter uh, that your sister wrote, exactly. your children wrote. And God is actually writing us love letters all the time. And mm. it's just such um, a good reflection of how God is speaking to us all the time. That's why I say the Bible is. The Bible is a love letter yes. to us. Yes. So was that that was kind of a turning point for you on the way home after hearing about uh you know the loss of your two sons and and God has you recall to mind the letters uh what happened after that you are you're home now and then take us along that journey So I'm home and I and the first thing I got home cuz Maurice's letter was under the mirror on my dresser so I ran to the dresser I got the letter and I read it to everybody in the house they couldn't believe how profound it was and at this point in time, my husband is still in the hospital because of his concussion and the whole brain aneurysm. He stayed in the hospital for like two months after that. Wow. My girls, my uh, one of my, Angela was home, but Angelina, um, because she was a foster child, she could not be released only to me because my husband was still in the hospital. So I came home and I went and got her out of the hospital and then I was praying in the kitchen Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Maurice's letter. It is truly the reason I can stand here right now. But I need to know that Roger's at peace. I need to know that Roger was also visited by the Holy Spirit. God, I need to know that you are in control of this hot mess. I really do. And God laid one word on my heart. And he says, search. Have you ever given God the side eye? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do search. you mean, search? Okay. Search, search and... for what? Yeah. And at this time, my house was filled with so many people because my children, um, you know, their class, their classmates came, you know, just showing respect. And because they were in the second, third, fourth and fifth grade, they couldn't come by themselves, their parents and their siblings and the community. And our family, you know, it was so many people in the house. I didn't even know half of them. Really, I didn't. So I went upstairs to Maurice and Roger's room and I started going through the books on the shelves, the clothes in the closet, and I just emptied their backpacks in the middle of the floor. I searched my house over three hours. First, didn't find anything I prayed, trusted, and believed for. Mm. But that night, as only as God can create it, as only as God can orchestrate it, that night was open house in my children's elementary school. And I'm telling you, my girls, they needed some normalcy in their life. Yeah. And their friends on the block were going off open house. So I say, you know what? We're going to go as well. And we left a house full of people. Just Good left. Good for you. Good for you. Hey, they wouldn't, because they wouldn't leave. So, uh, so we left. <laughs> <laughs> We're out of here. <laughs> and we went to Angela's fifth grade class, Angelina's fourth grade class, and all their classmates wrote us these hand condolences, love letters, and poems. I mean, it literally took us months just to read. It took me months just to read through the boxes of love because it was just so emotional. Yeah. It was so emotional. But how sweet uh, that people love you that much to, yes. to write you the letters and, and take the time. And I love a couple of things that you mentioned. Uh, I mean, the very fact that, that the Holy Spirit spoke to you, search, and you're in the midst of this gathering of people, and you didn't put it off. It's like, okay, well, I'll, I'll take care of that tomorrow when everybody's left. It's like, okay, I'm going to go search. But then the fact that you're searching for something that you thought you would find that you did not find. Tell right. us what that was like. And then, and then, and then, and then, uh, I was searching for something that I didn't know what I was looking for. And right. people, kept saying, <laughs> people kept saying, well, you know, is it bigger than the bread box? I'll know, <laughs> I'll know it when I see it. Right. It was like, well, maybe we can have the people with the white straight jackets come help you find it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There you go. 
Listen, because my cousin said, girl, you held on a long time. I would have went crazy in Japan. You actually doing very well. And, um, you know, it was just, it was, I, I, I know I looked crazy. I know I did. But I said, I'd rather look crazy for Jesus mm. than same for people. And if God told me to search, I'm going to search. And so we finally made it out of Angela and Angelica, Angela and Angel, Angelina's class, went to Maurice's third grade class. When I walked in, this hush just came across the room because, you know, the parents didn't say to me and I didn't know what to say to them. But the children just circled around me because they wanted to tell me how much they love and already missed their friend Maurice. Mm. You know, they just saw him Friday. Yeah. yeah. How do you explain that to It's Saturday that he was God. You know, they couldn't comprehend someone that on eye level, eight years old, third grade, passing away. And they wouldn't let anybody touch his desk, his belongings, his sweater. Oh, his sweater was still hanging. It's right there. And so it was really emotional, but healing time for all of us involved. Sure. And somehow, I don't know, we made it out of Maurice's class and we went to Roger's second grade class. And I spoke to Mrs. Blassie for a little while. And I asked, well, what did my son do for open house? Now, two weeks before the car crash, Mrs. Blassie had given all of her second graders all kind of arts and craft supplies and simply said, do something for open house. Your parents are coming with no other instructions. But God designed this opportunity for Roger to leave his goodbye letter. Mm. Now, all their projects were stapled to the wall. I took Roger's down, and Roger had cut out the shape of a house with closed doors. And I opened the doors, and it says, Mommy, I have a big backyard and a big house. That's how he talked. <laughs> Cute. But wow. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Stop right there, because we actually have the smallest backyard on the block. It's <laughs> oh, not the way you saw it. Yeah. Oh, cool. But see, I realized he was in transition mode when he wrote this. He was referring to his heavenly home mm. where he does have a big backyard That's right. and he does have a big house. Wow. Yeah. Oh, Angela. Yeah. Your perspective miracle on things. Miracle. I'm telling you, it's inspiring to have the right perspective, to to look and believe that that God is going to reveal things that we do not know. And he's going to do that as a show of love and comfort for us. So you, you come through this this incredible experience of, of losing these two precious ones in your life. You under, began to understand the, the, the power that God can give in the midst of pain mm-hmm. and the peace that he gives as you grieve. So right. what happened next? Because you, you made a transition like out of the military and into ministry. Right, right. Well, you know, the two letters, well, well um, let me just tell you this one more thing about Roger's letter. Yeah. On the right-hand side of his home description, he cut out a tombstone. And on that tombstone, he wrote three powerful words. He wrote, dead men joy, and then drew a picture of himself beneath those words. Mm-hmm. And on the opposite side of that home description, he cut out a second tombstone, and he wrote the words, dead men jams, and drew a picture of his brother Maurice. Wow. And I almost fell on the floor in that yeah. second grade classroom as yeah. I praised God for being uh. so good to me because I had just prayed hours early that day. God, I need to know that Roger did that piece and God told me to search. And that night there it was. I said, we have not because we ask not. Right. You know, powerful. you know, ask what, whatever you perceive the impossible to be, ask for it. Mm. Ask for it. I and so... That. When I was writing my son's memorial program, God said, Angela, 
all three letters were written to soothe your soul, but more importantly, to share. Mm. Oh my God. I'm not going to talk about this every time somebody asks me. (laughs) (laughs) And here you are. No, that's I said that's what's not gonna happen. I said, God is hard enough living this, grieving this. I mean, because I'm talking in the moment, right? It was raw. I said, God, I am, you know, it's hard enough. I'm not going, I can't do that. And I knew he wanted he wanted me to write, speak, talk, lecture, all this kind of stuff. And I said, God, no. He gave me a vision. God gave me a vision. And I said, no. And for six months, I walked in disobedience. Mm. But let me tell you. During that six months, he didn't make it comfortable. Todd, I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. <laughs> I couldn't think straight. <laughs> I was uncomfortable in my own brown skin. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was, yeah. He was not making it comfortable. And finally, 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 after six months, I woke up because both of us was being stubborn. I woke up and I said, God, I surrender all. Use me as you choose to. I threw up the white flag because girl likes to eat. <laughs> girl likes her ice cream. <laughs> to eat and sleep. I love the relationship. I, I just love the re- relationship that you have with the Lord. The two of you are really straight with each other. It's like, you know, you know, no, no holes barred. I told, I told God. So at that time I had 15 years in the Air Force. Mm-hmm. Said, God, if you give me the strength to put my uniform back on and stay in the military for another five years to get that 20, I will retire and dedicate my life to praising your name, serving you. God granted me that strength. I retired in 2005 and um, wrote my autobiography. Here we go. Miracles in Action, Turning Power and Grief into Peace. Um, And and because of that, I'm excited. My book has been turned into a documentary film, Miracles in Action. You can watch this on Amazon Prime. And what I'm really excited about is this year, my children's book came out. Hmm. I did not oh, know that. Sweet. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. And what I really, 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 really love about this book is right here, Maurice's letter is inside this envelope. Can you oh, see that? That's and you can oh, take it out and read it. Uh, that is cool. You can take wow. it out and read his letter. Yeah. And Roger's letter. Uh, that's cool. Roger's letters right here where you open it up and they're the two songs that he wrote. So good. That's so cool. So if you're, if you're listening, you need to go over to YouTube and watch this too, because that, first of all, it's a really well-designed book that looks like the kind of book a kid would want to crack open like right away. The very fact, the fact that you can pull a little letter out of there (laughs) is extra cool. Yeah. Just, uh, just profound how God is able to turn painful times like that into powerful witnesses for him in a testimony of who he is and his power of his love and his grace and his peace. And we're, I mean, we're just inspired by your life. We watched the documentary and by the way, you've got to see the documentary. It's very engaging. It'll walk you through the whole story and the process of what happened in their lives and you will be encouraged and you will be inspired. And in awe. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being obedient, even though you had to wrestle with him a little bit. At least you didn't get, you didn't get a hip thrown out of joint like Jacob, you know. Just a few sleepless nights. Uh, we are just um, uh, just in awe of how you um, are dealing and have dealt with with your grief. And um, we know that you will continue to inspire many. And so what, um, as we kind of 
sum up our, our time here together. Um, what is kind of one word or phrase or maybe just something directly you would like to share with our audience that could sum up how to turn grief into peace? Well, you can, I can sum it up by um, registering for my grief to peace class. There you go, sister. <laughs> you go, girl. Okay. I love that. That and is we'll the right that answer. in the show yeah. notes as uh-huh. well. And, and how do you do yeah. So I'm, I'm I'm having I'm having a um a virtual book club and grief support group, and you can awesome. go to grieftopeace.com, and that's the number two grieftopeace.com. And we're gonna we're gonna read through my autobiography, and more importantly, that we're gonna talk about your story and your grief and what you're going through because mm-hmm. talking about your story is part of the healing process. Mm-hmm. Yes. So How do you become so part good. of the support group, Angela? Where is that? She mentioned. Oh. Uh, uh, grieftopeace.com and you can also go to my website miraclesinaction.com to get any of my products perfect and we will actually put that in the show notes mm-hmm. as well so people can have it at their fingertips Thank and you. Um, you are just so inspiring and yeah. so bubbly and if you haven't watched this on YouTube you have to come to YouTube yes, and you see do. this beautiful face smiling right back at you um, Angela bless you thank you for sharing with us today and um, yeah we just thank you for um, your obedience and your surrender and turning your a grief into peace. So, all right. Take care. Thank you for having me. Thank yeah. you so Thanks, much. Angela. Thank you so much. God bless. Right. Bye-bye. Her wow. story is I, I, like stories. stories. I mean, she has several, and it's interesting how, you know, how there was a sequence of events that God seemed to prepare her for, yeah. for the next thing. And isn't that true for so many of us? When you look back over your shoulder, uh, no matter what age you are, you'll see certain occurrences in life that brought you pain. And how you responded to that pain either allowed you to to grow deeper in the Lord or to become, you know, bitter and and skeptical and resentful. Right. And we know which outcome is better. So she's very refreshing and very inspiring. I hope you do check out uh, all of the resources that she has to offer. Yeah, Angela has definitely turned things to better. And like you said, Todd, just how God has connected the dots throughout her journey. Yeah. And he does that with all of us. Yeah. And so we just need to look for the miracle. Uh, always look for the miracle and be grateful. So, all right, blessings, my friends. We thank you for tuning in to Your Biggest Breakthrough, and we'll catch you next time. Well, that's a wrap for today's show. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, we love spending time with you right here on Your Biggest Breakthrough podcast. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode. But until then, just head on over to yourbiggestbreakthrough.com where you'll find some free resources and information and a place where you can comment and we would love to dialogue with you there. Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time.